You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Nehemiah chapter number 5. Tonight I want to show you a phrase in verse number 9 and another phrase in verse number 15. And then honestly, I want to preach tonight with a burden on my heart. I always have a burden when I preach, but tonight I have a heavy burden on my heart for our nation. I also have a heavy burden on my heart for our churches and for Christians in general. And I believe tonight that the, uh, the, the phrase holds the key or maybe the reason we see what we do in our nation and the key to having revival if we're ever to have it again in our churches or in our country. Look at verse number 6 in Nehemiah chapter 5. You can just stay seated if you're wrapped up there. I don't want to make you stand up. <clears throat> verse number 6, the Bible said, and I was very angry when I heard their cry and these words. Then I consulted with myself, and we preached on that last week, and I rebuked the nobles and the rulers and said unto them, You exact usury every one of his brother. And I set a great assembly against them. And I said unto them, We, after our own ability, have redeemed our brethren, the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen. And we will even sell your brethren, or shall they be sold unto us? Then held they their peace and found nothing to answer. Also I said, it is not good that you do. And here's our phrase. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God? Because of the reproach of the heathen, our enemies. Verse number 15, Nehemiah, I'll paraphrase the first part of the verse and read the last part. He is telling these governors and these rulers, these people with positions of power, I could do the same thing you're doing. I could take advantage of our poor brethren. I could use them for my own gain, but he doesn't do it. And the reason he did not do what he did not do is the last part of verse 15. He said, but so did not I, and here's the motivator, because of the fear of God. I'm convinced today that much of what we see is due to a severe shortage, a lack of old-fashioned fear of God in our generation. I think it's proven by what you see as soon as you walk in Target. I think it's proven by where you find Christians on Easter Sunday evening. I think it's proven by the uh, statements made by many of our politicians, and I'll mention some in a little while, but a bill that's being debated even now in Sacramento for our state. I think you can see it. I think that there's a misrepresentation in our generation of who our God is. Tonight I want to preach on this thought. Please allow me to reintroduce my generation to our God. I'm glad He's a God of love, mercy, He's long-suffering, yes, but He's also a God who the Bible says ought to be feared. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I pray for Your power, please. I pray You'd help our church with this message. I pray You'd help this to be a message that those online would hear and it would help them. I pray you'd help us to state our position clear from the right heart, the right spirit. But God, I pray you'd help us to stand in awe of who you are tonight. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I think tonight that if we were to go around the property and ask for reasons why America is in the condition that she is in, or if we were to ask the reasons why we find churches in the, re in the shape that they're in in our generation, we'd probably get a number of different answers. Now, I think in a crowd like this one, we probably get a lot of good 
answers. And we probably get a lot of answers that would point to the symptoms of what I think the actual reason for what we see is. But tonight, I don't believe the causes are many. And I don't believe the reasons would make up a long list. In fact, tonight, I would say there are not reasons, but rather there is a reason. I believe we can sum up the reason for what we see in our streets and the reason what we witness in our churches by saying this, there's very little fear of God in our generation. The God that most mainstream Christians worship and the God that most public prayer is offered to is far different from the God of heaven as we find him described and see him displayed in our Bible. It used to be used as a compliment, they would say of a man, he's a God-fearing man. But now they'll say that's a God-fearing person. And they use that term as a snarky term or to describe somebody who they would say was backwards. The God that most pastors preach of and the God most modern songs depict is a God who bends to the wants of man and stays on hold to meet the needs of man. He exists for us rather than us being created for him. He's just a big therapist in the sky. He's a God who's beholden to our expectation of him without having any accountability uh, from man in return. He's a God who blesses and a God who loves and a God who tolerates just about anything humanity desires to get involved in. He's a generic God, according to our generation. He's for everyone and everyone is his child. The motto of our world is this, God is love, love is God, love is love, love wins. They'd say, shack up, drink up, and live it up. God really doesn't care anyhow. They'd try to convince us that our God is fluid. He's not absolute. Regardless of what his word says, that's really not what God meant to say. The old depiction of God is found in the King James Bible is archaic and it's inaccurate. God has to fit in with culture. God has to adapt with trend. God needs to assimilate to the atmosphere of the hour. I want to reintroduce our generation to our God is tonight. The God of today is the country music God. He's the God that tells the dirty jokes and drinks the beer around the campfire on Saturday night. He's the God of the prideful pervert who smiles on sodomy and has repented of what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah a long time ago. The God of today is a woke God that sits in a circle of friendship with liberalism, feminism, Buddhism, spiritism, and any other ism that wants to cross its legs, sip its latte, and snap its thumb along with the group. The God of our hour calls man to social reform rather than salvation or repentance. I have a fear tonight that there's no longer a fear of God in my nation. Paul wrote in Romans 11 verse 20, Be not high-minded, but fear. The God of this generation or the God that our generation would have you believe is God is perfectly fine with a little liquor every now and then. He doesn't mind a glass of wine and some cultured conversation with worldly Christians about worldly things. As long as you'll wear a cross necklace or have a cross on your t-shirt or put a cross emoji on your profile, he'll never ask you to actually take up your cross and bear it. The God of this generation mocks holiness and loves worldliness. What he declared about modest apparel and all of those verses emphasizing a need for distinction between the sexes were written long before it got so hot in the summer, it was so hard to find modest clothing, and Hillary Clinton cracked the glass ceiling in her pantsuit. I'm going to reintroduce our generation to God tonight. Our Sunday ties are too formal for God. He'd rather you men come in your football jersey, your fishing shirt, your golf outfit, or whatever you wore to bed the night before. 
Now I know you'll get dressed up for a wedding, you'll get dressed up for a funeral, you'll get dressed up for a family gathering, but don't worry about getting dressed up for God. He's cool and casual and he just wants you to be comfortable. That's not all. He's changed his position for the ladies as well. Your old-fashioned godly Sunday dresses are too concealing and too modest and too unfashionable, so we better shorten them up, tighten them down, and during the week just hang them in the closet and wear whatever the worker at Macy's at the mall tells you is in style at the moment. Hope it's okay if I preach tonight. The world would have us believe that the God of today is so understanding of man, he doesn't really uh, understand what he wrote in his own Bible. If you check with what people think about God to what God said about himself, then it's obvious God's disagreeing with himself. Sin isn't that bad. Holiness isn't that important. The church ought to mirror the world. And separation is so 1970s. I fear for our nation tonight. I fear for our churches. I fear for my family and I fear for your family because of how far we've fallen from having a genuine fear of God in our generation. Can I say the home is under attack? The house of God is under attack. And old-fashioned holiness is under attack. It's obvious to anyone who pays attention today that God has changed, or at least that's what the public wants you to think. He's not a God who condemns sin. He's only a God of mercy, grace, and love for sin. God understands. He doesn't expect man to get right. God got right a long time ago for being so mean in the past. Just ask the world. We know the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day, but who knows if that was even in the originals anyway. God isn't that mean. God's not that judgmental. God's not that holy. God's not that wrathful towards sin like he used to be. Now God's woke. Now God thinks wickedness is okay. Just do what's right in your own eyes and God thinks it's wonderful. Marry who you want. Drink what you want. Say what you want. Do what you want. And God will just sit back in heaven like an old grandpa stroking his beard, flapping his suspenders and smiling while you do it. Tonight I want to introduce our generation once again who our God is. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 28 through 30 says, Then shall they call upon me, but I'll not answer. They'll seek me early, but they shall not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised my reproof. Tonight, we don't have to look far and we don't have to search hard to find evidence that our generation simply does not fear the Lord. It's obvious in our government policies. It's obvious in the everyday life of people that were over God's counsel and we've despised his reproof. Tonight, I want to consider our country. Would you not agree with me? It looks like in America, there's no fear of God today. Jerry Nadler flat out said, Congress is not interested in the will of God. The Bible says the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. But what do you think that makes a man who acknowledges there is a God and just doesn't care what he has to say? Our government will break its neck to try to keep prayer out of our schools. And at the same time, it won't lift a finger when perverts want to parade down the streets of our city, drugged up, half-dressed, and flaunting their sin. I feel like Abraham when he went to Gerar, and he said, I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. Is there no fear of God anymore? I would say there's not much fear of God in a country that only give one day to memorialize its fallen soldiers and then spend a whole month 
celebrating sin that even barnyard animals have better sense than to get involved in. I saw, I don't mean to preach tonight, but I kind of want to preach tonight. I saw a picture on social media of some of our local law enforcement and we love our law enforcement and I thank God for them, but it broke my heart to see those who aren't supposed to be political. They're supposed to be public servants standing for a picture with a California state flag that had the background of the gay rainbow on it and they were bowing and saying that we celebrate diversity. Well, then I hope they'll stand with the Baptist flag at Christmas and the Christian flag at Easter if they want to celebrate diversity. Ephesians 5.11 says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it's a shame of those things which are done of them in secret. It's a shame what Disney does. It's a shame what Nickelodeon does. It's a shame what Coca-Cola does. And it's a shame that Christians don't get fired up about what they're doing. Is there any fear of God anymore? Where's the fear of God? There ain't much fear of God in the nation that would teach first graders about things that aren't suitable for teenagers, let alone ever in a classroom. They're in much fear of God when human life is trivialized to be nothing more than parasitic tissue in the mother's womb. It's a shame. God's the author of life, and yet man has the audacity to say, I'll decide when that author has to end his story. Think of all the graves tonight that would litter American soil if every baby butchered in the belly of its mother was given a proper burial. Imagine how many people would fill our prisons if we housed every person involved in the murder of those millions and millions and millions of unborn children. Most states tonight are trying to make it more difficult for a, mother, a woman to have an abortion while the politicians in Sacramento are debating a bill to make it more affordable, to make it more accessible. I say God help our state and God help our nation. I wish you were fired up about it. I fear our nation it's in trouble because our nation does not fear God. By the way, this, this isn't hate speech. This is love speech. In our country, we've gone to insane lengths to hide from COVID under the threat of death from this virus. Yet our same political leaders and social justice advocates promote the drinking of alcohol and the dispensing of marijuana. Booze and drugs have claimed more lives and caused more destruction and wreaked more havoc upon our nation than any disease ever known, natural or made up in a Chinese laboratory. The crowd that gasps when someone walks down the street without a mask is the same crowd that worried about health that'll pump their belly full of booze and fill their lungs full of smoke and have relations with people that they don't even know their name. I say that's just a bunch of, that's just, a, I, you know what I say that is? Can I say that? I have a fear of God. God. He's still on the throne tonight. Would you please allow me to reintroduce you to who our God is? There's a great dearth of old-fashioned fear of God in our generation. Consider our political leaders. They lie. They cheat. They steal. They look right in the eye of the American people and read off their teleprompter lies and use it like a salesman trying to sell you a used car. They rig the election. They suppress our votes. They resurrect dead Americans to help their cause. The fool has said 
in his heart. There is no God. And we got a bunch of foolish people running our nation in 2021. And our state has been passed that the government will provide safe and controlled injection sites for drug users and abusers. That means you can get your fix on my taxpayer dollars. I say that's right out of hell. That's an abomination. And God is angry with the wicked every single day. In Washington State, they started a program to try to convince you to get a vaccine that once you get, you still have to hide from the virus that you're vaccinated from. But they started a program called Joints for Jabs. If you'll go get the shot, then you can get high on the way out of the clinic. If you don't think there's a bunch of reprobates running things, you gotta let check your news feed and see article after article of people like that. Every all right? Sex education is taught to our children in schools. They're so young and being taught about sex, they don't even know how to tie their own shoe yet. Can I say a millstone is too humane for somebody like that? We got godless educators pushing godless indoctrination. Where's the fear of the Lord? It's a shame that my child could go to public school and get contraception, but he would never learn about the Constitution in our public school. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, his strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. Our nation tonight is in trouble because she set herself up as a place without refuge. When judgment comes, God has blessed America, but sooner or later, God will judge America. There's a fear of man in our nation. There's a fear of the press in our nation. There's a fear of a virus in our nation. There's a fear of finances failing in our nation. There's a fear of so-called inequality in our nation. There's a fear of political fallout in our nation. But where's the fear of God? It's been said we fear men so much because we fear God so little. And I believe that's why America yokes up with atheistic nations and praises people who are blatantly anti-Christian and anti-Israel. America bows down to communist countries that kill our missionaries and ban our Bible. Then they turn around and tell us we're bigots and intolerant. That's because all they want is more bribe money to pad their pocket. I'd like to reintroduce that crowd to our God is tonight. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. But it's not just in our country. I fear there's a lack of fear of God among Christians. I believe there's an obvious neglect of godly fear even among folks who would say they're saved. Whether they are or not, I don't know. I ought to feel guilty right here. And you ought to feel guilty right here. You can see a shortage of the fear of God in our prayer lives. The average prayer is so short and shallow that it barely leaves our lips before we rise up and go about our business. I fear the average Christian has turned prayer into a time of self rather than a season of speaking to God and seeking His face. We need to ask ourselves, are our prayers even prayers? Are they really spiritual requests or just repetitive routine? We ask, and I'm glad God wants us to do that, but I fear we ask amiss. We don't pray with fasting. We don't have watches in the night in prayer. We don't agonize upon our knees like Jesus in Gethsemane. There's no effectual, fervent prayer from righteous men in our prayer life or lack thereof. Would you not say that there's an evident lack of a fear of God? Would you not agree with me that even most Christians today don't have a reverential fear for God when you consider their neglect of reading their Bible, their casual approach to going 
going to church and their acceptance to sin. It's sad when a so-called child of God would put God in the back seat and church in the trunk when it comes to ball games or family gatherings or vacation season or fundraisers or an extra hour at the office. That's a good place to say amen. Unless you're doing it. We'll criticize and correct the Bible but not submit to it. We'll spread gossip but not the gospel. We'd rather have church the way we want it than church the way it ought to be. We blast the sins of our society, but the reality is saved people have a hard time blushing over their own sin. I found out Christians love to call out sin around them, but then sweep it under the rug when it's within them. Can I say you'll never have victory when you hide your sin? You have victory when you get humble before God, repent and confess your sin. I believe we have such a filthy Christianity today and that's why it's such a fruitless Christianity because we're not ashamed of sin. I read an article this week about a brother Evertson sent it to me about a Baptist church, not a Catholic or Methodist, not a crazy denomination, a Baptist church in Bloomington, Indiana that voted in a new pastor. The new pastor identifies as transgender. The person, that means, who will stand behind the podium of that church to open up the Word of God is a man with a seared conscience and a reprobate mind who goes to his mother's closet to get dressed for church. Now, I want you to understand something. I don't hate anybody, but I hate what sin does to everybody. And that is an abomination in the sight of a holy God. You can put a suit on a monkey, but it doesn't make the monkey a man. And you can put a dress on a man, but it won't make him a woman. Say amen right there. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a Christian today who'd say the same. We watch the same shows and say the same words and partake in the same activity as the world around us. Let me ask, where's the fear of God in our generation? 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I want to reintroduce this tonight to our God is. He's not just the God of the 1970s. He's not just the God of the 1950s. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Where is the fear of God in our generation in respect to the Christian's wardrobe? What America knows is Christians today have gladly shed their distinction for acceptance. Christians mirror what they see on the television more than what we find in the Bible. Say people get all stirred up over our nation blurring the gender lines. But Christians blur the gender line every time they run out to the supermarket. The fear of God leads a person to ask the Holy Ghost, what should I wear? But when the fear of God is gone, the flesh consults the magazine rack, the movie screen, and the social media feed. And now children of God run around looking like harlots or some dude out of Hollywood instead of a hero of the faith from Hebrews 11. I fear for our generation. I'm not preaching because I'm mad. I'm preaching because I'm worried. We say we want a revival, but it won't come till we fear God again. I read a Forbes article from a few years ago that a Florida Atlantic University professor had students write the name of Jesus on a piece of paper. Now, why not Muhammad? Now, why not Buddha? Now, why not Biden? Jesus. He made those students to pass his class, write the name Jesus on a piece of paper, and then stomp on the piece of paper. He said it was a lesson on cultural awareness. I hope he reads Hebrews 10, 29, where it says there's sore punishment coming for those who've trodden under the foot, the Son of God. 
Let me ask you a question. Does God no longer judge our behavior? Does God no longer have a righteous standard? Does God no longer have holy expectations for us? Does God no longer care about sin? Does God no longer have an opinion about wickedness? Has God evolved and now he's accepting and tolerant and has new positions that contradict his historical nature? Is the God that sits on the throne in eternity and rests his foot on the universe like a footstool a different God than we find in our Bible? Or is he the same? Is he not a God that ought to be reverenced and respected and submitted to and a God that ought to be feared? In Nehemiah chapter 5, Nehemiah's fired up. I'd like to meet somebody like that one of these days. I'm trying to get that way tonight. But I'll say this just, just parenthetically. If we can't preach like this at this place, America's gone. If this crowd can't say amen to Bible truth, America's gone. Nehemiah's fired up because his people are being taken advantage of. I said last week high taxes, high interest, slavery, and theft. Nehemiah is angered over the way his brethren are treating one another. He begins to address the nobles here in our text that we read, and he calls them out for their injustice. And I like how he handles them. He doesn't shame them by just saying things on the temporal level or the human level, but he draws their attention to God. Now, Nehemiah was in a position he could have done the same thing. He could have acted the same way. He could have done the same schemes. He could have been just as corrupt and crooked as the rest of that crowd. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to do it because I know God is not going to smile on this kind of behavior. So in verse number nine, he makes the statement. And I wish to God this statement could be printed in black, bold letters across the front page of every newspaper in America tomorrow morning. He says, ought you not to walk in the fear of our God. He said the reason you ought to check up, the reason you ought to straighten up, the reason you ought not be doing this is there's a throne in heaven and I want you to know God is still on that throne and you might get away with it down here but you'll not get away with it when you stand before him up there. He said you ought to have a fear of God. And then in verse 15 he says it again. He said I'm not going to do what you're doing because I fear God. That word fear means reverence. It means respect. It means to have veneration or hold in high regard. So here's what it means. To fear God is to be in awe of his person, to be aware of his presence, to acknowledge his power, and to acquiesce to his principle. Nehemiah's reminding the remnant that what you're doing is shaming in the name of God. It's a reproach on the name of our God. And our God's a God that still judges sin. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. And you might make another dollar, but bigger than that in zeros to your net worth is the fact that God sees what you're doing. You have a fear of God. Let me apply it and we'll go home. Ecclesiastes 8:12. Yet surely I know that it should be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. Let me say the fear of God is not bondage, it is blessing. The fear of God is not slavery, it is liberty. The fear of God is not oppression. It is protection from sin. Job was blessed because he feared God. Noah did a great work because he feared God. The whole duty of man is summed up by simply saying, fear God. We're living in a day where it's like the days of judges. Every man does that which makes him feel good, that he can make right in his own mind and what looks right in his own eyes. The general public has numbed the edge of sin to the point they do not fear God. Where's the awe of God? 
God? Where's the reverence for God? Where's that respect for God? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life tonight shortly. Let me introduce you to our God again. Let me remind you who he is. He's not the big man upstairs. He's not a religious rabbit foot for good luck. He's not an absent-minded granddaddy in the sky. He is holy, holy, holy. He is Lord. He is God. He's almighty. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's not unaware. He's not aloof. He's not all right with sin. He's against liquor. He's against lust. He's against abortion. He's against sodomy. He's against corruption. God desires our home to be holy. He wants our life to be upright. He wants our religion to be pure, undefiled, and unspotted from this world. I'll serve notice there's still a God. He's on the throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't adapt to your truth. He won't assimilate to your trend. He won't comply with your time. He said, I'm the Lord, and I change not. Hebrews 10, 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let me reintroduce our generation to our God is. He's the God who created the world with the breath of his mouth. He's the God who gave man his life and formed him from the dust. He's the God who flooded this world because of the sin. He's the God who rained down fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. He's the God that destroyed a giant with one little stone. He's the God that said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He's the God who sent death into Egypt. He's the God that devoured Herod with worms. He's the God who made Nebuchadnezzar crazy. He's the God who one day caused blood to rise to the bridle of the horse. He's the God that killed Ananias and Sapphira. He's the God that killed the sons of Eli. He's the God that swallowed up the sons of Korah. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. Let me reintroduce you to who our God is tonight. He's the God that says mankind shall not lie with mankind as he does with womankind. I don't care what you watch on your TV. I don't care what you see on the magazine rap. I don't care what your backslidden neighbor says. God is not okay with what our nation celebrates the entire month of June. Say amen right there. Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his work. It's God that says, be ye holy for I am holy. Yes, he's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of mercy. Yes, he's a God of grace. But can I say he's also a God that will judge sin. That's why Psalm 4, 4 says, stand in awe and sin not. It's time we get in awe of God again. His awesome power. His awesome person. His awesome promises. The fact that he lives forever. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. And he's one to say, woe is me from a man of unclean lips. He's holy. He's high. He's exalted. He lives. And he liveth forevermore. Can I say you ought to wake up tonight? Our nation ought to wake up tonight. You can celebrate what you will, but God wins in the end. You ought to have a fear of God in our generation. The God of heaven doesn't want your hip worship. He wants your holy worship.
He doesn't care about you being in fashion. He wants you to be spirit filled. He doesn't want you to be contemporary. He wants you to be biblical. Our God is that God. He's the God who is God. He's the God who's the only God. He's the God who's the true God. He's the God who's the living God. He's the God who's the creator God. He doesn't wink at perversity. He doesn't celebrate pride. He doesn't rejoice in churches that look like the world. He's holy and he's on the throne. He's a God to be reverenced. He's a God to be obeyed. He's a God to be worshipped. And he's a God to be feared. At his beckoning, mountains are cast down. At his will, the seas are dried up. By his word, the universe is held in orbit. By him, all things have their existence. We need a revival tonight of an old-fashioned fear of God and walking humbly before him. The sinner ought to fear God because the wrath that is to come. John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now I know this is Wednesday night, but if you're sitting here breathing air tonight and you're not born again, if you die that way, you'll go to hell. The magnitude and force of God's love is equal to that magnitude and force of God's judgment if you neglect and reject His love. And tonight you can fool a preacher and you can trick a spouse and you can lie to a friend and say you're saved. But if you're not born again, the wrath of God even now hovers over your head. And one of these days, hell will be a reality. Number two, the Christian ought to fear God because of the reproach upon our Christ. He said in verse number nine, he said, you ought to walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the heathen. The reproach of our God, rather, uh, the reproach of the heathen, our enemies. He's talking about you're giving the enemies of God occasion to slander his name. Can I say there is no name like his name? And he has a perfect track record and, an, and, and just a, a flawless testimony. But you and I can wreck it. 1 Corinthians 9, 27 says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Be a good thing to have a fear of God that keep you from doing stupid things. Be good to have a fear of God that keep me from doing stupid things. Because can I say, <clears throat> you might fall, I could fall. And worse than your reputation, it is His name that'll bear that reproach. Thirdly, not only should the sinner fear because of wrath is to come, the Christian ought to fear because of the reproach upon their Christ, but the church ought to fear because of the removal of their candlestick. Revelation 2, 5 says, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I'll come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. You study that out, and what that means is the presence of God in that church. There's a lady who had her a son born. He, she named that boy Ichabod, saying the glory's departed. It's gone. The average church in this generation ought to be called Ichabod Baptist Church. There's no presence or power of God in that place. I tell you what, to remove that, not having a fear of God. I don't believe a man has a fear of God if he consults the comedy barn for what his church ought to look like. I don't believe a man has a fear of God if he's more concerned with being vogue with some Southern Baptist preacher he's never met. Hello. With an old-fashioned man of God who trained him and raised him up. I don't believe a man has a fear of God if he trifles with the Word of God and says, well, that's inaccurate, that's not in the ancient training. You don't know anything about that, just hush. Can I say that's the quickest way to lose the presence of God when you start monkeying around with something as holy as the church? 
I read a poem a little bit ago. It says, when the great and busy plants of our cities shall have turned out their last finished work, when the merchants have sold their last order and dismissed every last tired clerk, when our banks have raked in their last dollar and have paid out their last dividend, when the judge of the earth wants a hearing and asks for the balance, what then? When the choir sung its last anthem and the preacher's voiced his last prayer, and the people have heard their last sermon, and the sound has died out in the air. When the Bible lies closed on the altar, and the pews are all empty of men, when each one stands facing his record, and the great book is opened, what then? When the actors have played their last drama, and the comic has made his last fun, when the movie has flashed its last picture and the billboard displayed its last run, when the crowd seeking pleasure has vanished and gone out in the darkness again, when the trump of God has sounded and we stand before Him, what then? It's like that song. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love and it goes through. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little lips, what you say. It's more than just a cute song for kids. That's good truth for every Christian tonight. We have a God who ought to be feared. And that is not a burden. That is a blessing to keep you from living a miserable, shipwrecked, castaway kind of Christian life. And can I say to our nation watching, if they do, you ought to fear our God. It bothered me to see the White House's social media profile, the backdrop thereof, being a, a flag other than the United States flag. I don't think our police station or our public building should fly any flag over them but the California flag and the United States flag. I think it's treason. The bridge in Jacksonville, Florida to cross over the ocean, you have to go, they lit it up in the rainbow color. You can't even drive across it unless you, to get home and you have to go across that. What do you think all these God-fearing parents are trying to, how do they explain that to their children? When did we give a whole month? To, why don't we have drunk month or dope month or divorce month? Everybody all right? God ought to judge us right now. But thank God for mercy and grace. And I'll tell you what keeps it. A handful of righteous remnant people like this. But if you and I lose our fear of God, America has no hope. We've got to walk humbly. Fear God. That sums it all up. That's the whole duty of man. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.